0: Well, amen. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter five. John chapter five. I want to share a message entitled "The Love of God." I love John chapter five. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you'd never be able to enjoy the love of God. You wouldn't be able to know it. You wouldn't be able to experience, and, and uh, it's all because of God's grace. In John chapter five, and we're going to begin reading in verse 30, and read down to the end of the chapter. John 5, and verse 30, I can of my own self do nothing, as I hear I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Uh, Ye sent unto John... And he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. For he was a burning and a shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do." Bear witness of me that the Father has sent me, and the Father Himself, which has sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard His voice at any time nor seen His shape, and ye have not, uh, and, and ye have not His word abiding in you. For whom He has sent, him ye believe not. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses in whom you trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Let's pray. God, we're thankful to be here this morning. We're thankful for the precious word of God that's before us. And, Lord, I pray that we might take heed to what it says. We might be obedient to its commands. Uh, Lord, we might apply it to our life in a practical way, that we might be able to experience the precious love of God, um, afresh and new each and every day. I would pray, Lord, if there's someone here who's never been saved, they don't really understand what it means to be born again, they've never experienced the love of God in a personal way, i pray the holy spirit of god will you touch their hearts and bring conviction upon them change them lord Uh, bring a spirit of repentance to where they'll trust christ and christ alone in order to be saved and then lord i pray that you'd speak to each of us believers uh, that we might be renewed in our resolve to live and abide in the love of christ Uh, be able to share that love with others lord and so speak to us, work your will in us, Lord. Be glorified through the preaching of the word of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 42 says, But I know you that you have not the love of God in you. I was reading my Bible and I came across that and I was like overwhelmed with that statement. I know you that you have not the love of God in you. These are words of Christ as he's speaking to the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Jewish people. And uh, he tells them very bluntly and very directly, I know who you are. And I know that you don't have the love of God in you. Oftentimes people say, well, I I love God, but we don't believe in Christ. You can't love God apart from Christ. Uh, There is no possible way that you experience the love of God if it's not through faith in Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. The greatest expression of the love of God is seen with God sending his own, only son into this world. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now there is no greater demonstration of love than the reality that God sent his son into this world to die for sinners that we might be saved, and the only way that we can experience the love of God is through personal faith in Christ and Christ alone. I think of the songs we learned when we were children. You know, uh, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Uh, we say, "Well, I don't understand why people can't comprehend the love of God because they don't read the Bible." Uh, the, the, uh, America, people in America, do not know what the Bible has to say. They hear some movie star, some politician take a scripture, misquote it, and take it out of context, and they think that's what the Bible says. Or they'll make some statement in reference to what traditions have to say, and they think that's what the Bible has to say. But you're not experiencing the love of God until they trust what the Word has to say about who Christ is and about Him coming into this world to die for our sins. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. I love the old hymn, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. And, you know, and we're living in an era and time where everybody seems to want to condemn the old hymns. But I'm going to tell you, the old hymns talk about the love of God. It talks about a deep, precious relationship that we have with the God of heaven through the, his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I know you, and I know you don't have the love of God in you. But yet these were the religious leaders. These were those who were professing to lead peoples in a way in the path of righteousness, and they had not the love of God in them. This chapter is a great chapter because it presents two aspects of honor. Uh, The beginning of the chapter, the first half, which we did not read, we have the Son honoring the Father, John 5 and verse 19. It says, Then uh, answered Jesus and said unto them, Uh, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that the Son could do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. And so Jesus is acknowledging the fact that he was honoring his Father, which is in heaven, by everything that he did. And then where we read in our text, beginning in verse 30, we have the Father honoring the Son, I can do nothing of my own self. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. And so there was absolutely no conflict. There still is no conflict within the Godhead. There's no jealousy, there's no resentment, there's no hierarchy, if you will, of one aspect of the Godhead, the father or the son being stronger, more abundant, more loving, more gracious, whatever. They're exactly one and the same. And as the son honors the father, so the father is uh, honored of his son. And uh, in Malachi, in chapter one and verse six, uh, the prophet Malachi brings a very condom, uh, sending message upon the children of Israel. In chapter 1 and verse 6 of Malachi, says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If I be a father, this is God speaking to Israel, if I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts? O priests that despise my name, and you say, we have we despised thy name? See, God knows the reality is the condition of Israel was that they did not have the love of God in their hearts. They lived apart from the commandments of God. They dishonored their God, uh, their Father in heaven, and Jesus is telling wants to help them to understand what the love of God is and how we ought to respond to the love of God And my challenge this morning is to try to get you to comprehend how deep the love of God is for you and what is the proper relationship that we should have with God in heaven because of the love that he has thrown our way and demonstrated to us. And so first of all, I have to start where Christ started in our text, and that is the love of God rejection. And uh, many people reject the love of Christ. In uh, verse 42, it's our text, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. And then verse 43 follows up that statement. says, I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him will you receive. Rejection. quickly. How quickly people are ready to reject the name of Jesus Christ but how quickly they're ready to accept someone else. How, how uh, um, tragic it is that people say, I, don't, I, want, I love God, but I won't have anything to do with Jesus. I'm certainly not going to acknowledge him as the son of God. I'm not certainly going to acknowledge him as God Almighty, one in the same with the Father, I don't believe that about Jesus Christ whatsoever, but I want the love of God in me. No, you can't have it that way. You either come to Christ and Christ alone, or you live a life of rejecting who Christ is. And yet, we're so quick. It's amazing. I've watched people over the years so quickly. You talk to them about Christ, and some cult will knock on their door, or some cult member will talk to someone on the job, and the next thing you know, they're going down the path of some religion that denies the reality of the virgin birth, denies the reality of the Jesus Christ as God in the flesh. They deny all these things about who God is, but we'll go after them, but we won't trust Jesus Christ. The love of God rejected. Why is it rejected, first of all? Because of ignorance of Scripture. Notice in our chapter here in verse 39, search the Scriptures. This is Jesus talking to them. They proclaimed they knew the scriptures. They boasted about their knowledge of the scriptures. And Jesus tells them, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. The rejection or ignorance of the scriptures. And uh, the word, listen, you cannot read through the word of God and come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God. There is no possible way that you can honestly read through the Word of God and come to the conclusion that you must have faith in Christ and Christ alone. To come to that conclusion is to deliberately ignore what the Word of God has to say. It is deliberately to stand in ignorance to the reality of what God has revealed to us about his love. His love is perfect, it's life-changing, his love is precious, uh, but it it is experienced through Jesus Christ in Matthew 21 and verse 42, and I put that on the on the screen so you can read that. Jesus saith unto unto them, Did you never read the scriptures? Well if there's something that ought to be a challenge for you and a commitment in 2019 is for you to read through the Bible in 2019. Jesus said, Did you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Read the scriptures, it tells of the rejection of the Savior, the Messiah. But just because man rejects Christ does not change the reality that he is the chief cornerstone. He is the foundation of all faith and all meanings of being able to know who God is and to be able to experience a move of God in our lives. He says, search the scriptures. Why? Because they are they that speak of me. They testify of me. But you will not. You won't come to me that you can have eternal life. But you won't say, I have the love of God. You don't have the love of God. You realize the Bible very clearly uh, outlines for us that without Christ, we were the enemies of God. Literally, in Proverbs, it says the prayers of the wicked are an abomination to God. It says the sacrifices of the wicked are an abomination to God. The way of the wicked is an abomination of God. You cannot experience the love of God by rejecting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So, the ignorance of the scriptures causes people to reject God's love. But there's also the acceptance of man. In verse 43 of our text, he says, I am come in my Father's name. And ye receive me not, if another shall come in his own name, him will ye receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? How quickly we're ready to accept man, how quickly we're willing to accept. Uh, the teachings of man, how willingly we are willing to accept some religious experience that's manipulated and guided and directed by man, but yet we won't receive Christ. We won't believe in Christ. We won't surrender to Christ. And that's where we experience the love of God. Why? Because when we're ignorant of the scriptures, we're willing to accept anything. You want to know why the world seems so twisted and corrupt? You look at American politics, you look at what's going on in our society, in our communities, and you look at it and you say, how in the world can people make such decisions that absolutely some child could figure out this ain't going to work? It's because of the fact they don't know what the word of God says. I'll tell you, the decisions are being made uh, in New Jersey by Murphy. I'm telling you, I'll tell you, we'll be lucky we survive this guy. And uh, you say, well, my goodness gracious, I can't believe you would say that. Well, I'm telling you, he, every decision he's making is contrary to biblical principles. I don't care what what party you belong to. We ought to be making decisions that are biblical, scriptural principles by which we live by. Oh, I'll accept what man is offering. I'll accept what man is presenting. I'll accept what, what everybody seems to embrace in our culture. But what does God have to say about it? And so the love of God is rejected because of ignorance of the scriptures and because of acceptance of man. I could care less what a man has to say. I try to read a lot of scripture, try to resent a lot of scripture because it doesn't matter what I say. But it does matter what God says. And we need to listen to what the Lord has to say. So I don't want to accept man. I want to accept the scriptures. Arrogance towards others is evidence... That you are rejecting the love of God. In 1 John chapter 3, John deals a lot with this matter of love. And uh, not just in the Gospel of John, but 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, he deals with this matter of the love and the evidences of love. In 1 John chapter 3, in verse 16, uh, John tells us, he says, Hereby perceive we the love of God. It's our title. That's our. That's our thought process today, is the love of God. All right, perception. This is how I comprehend. Uh, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So the comprehension, the, the, the interpretation of the love of God is based on the fact that Christ laid down his life for us. And because he laid down our, his life for us, we have no problem with giving our lives towards others. Notice in verse 17, But whoso, whoso hath the world's goods, and seeth his brother hath need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him. See, what are you saying? Wait a minute. You, you can't. Reject the scriptures and ignore what the scriptures have to say and be able to experience the love of God you certainly can't be constantly accepting what man has to say when it's contrary to what God has revealed and say you have the love of God but beyond this if you see those that are in need and you see your brothers and sisters in Christ in need and you can meet a need in your life and you don't do it how can you say you have the love of God in you It's amazing. Things become statements in our life with no evidence to prove that's the reality of what we're experiencing. And Jesus confronts them about the love of God, rejection of it. Number two, I see the love of God, consolation. I'm thankful for the love of God. That's the negative part of the message. thought I'd hit you hard with that. Then we'll go to the next thing. Love of God, consolation. Notice there's a confident maturing that takes place because of experiencing the love of God. When we come to faith in Christ, we experience a move of God and the changing of God. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 3, he says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulation, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So the love of God that gives consolation. I mean, uh, Paul starts out here in verse 1 of chapter 5, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This whole passage here of chapter 5 of Romans in verses 1 through 5 is dealing with the impact of the love of God to give us confidence to grow and mature in what we go through in our life. Notice... Trials, he says here, um, tribulation, worketh patience. So trials builds endurance. Uh, Tribulations mean trials or difficulties or sufferings. Uh, Patience means endurance or being able to continue on. And listen, the love of God is what enables you That when everything seems to be falling apart around you, and when it seems you have no answer to the questions that you have about life, you can get up in the morning and keep going. Why? Because of the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts. I'll tell you, I'm thankful for the times of difficulties my wife and I have gone through in the Christian life. I didn't like when we were doing it, but I'm thankful for it. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't care what comes our way. I don't care what comes our way, I believe that God's gonna get us through. I don't need to fear man because God's on my side. I don't need to be defeated by the world and discouraged by the trials in life. Why? Because the love of Christ has been shed abroad in our hearts. So the love of God gives peace or consolation. Why? Because it gives confidence in maturing. Trials builds endurance. Endurance develops understanding. Notice he says, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience. What is experience? It means you understand some things. You know, as life goes on, the longer you live, the more you understand things in life. When you go through trials, and you don't understand why you're going through the trial, God gives you the ability to, to experience an understanding of what it is that God wants us to do. You know, oftentimes people say we need to pray because we need to change the mind of God. I don't think it's so much that we need to pray to change the mind of God because God has a will he wants to accomplish in our life. I think we need to pray so that we might gain the mind of God. Because as I'm going through the trials, God builds endurance, enabling me to go on because I know his love has not stopped flowing from the throne of grace. And now because I'm enduring through the different difficulties in life, God is developing in me an understanding of who he is and what he can do on my behalf. So it gives me understanding. But understanding produces hope. Notice it says, in patience, experience and experience hope. There's always hope with God. Oftentimes people lose hope. Oftentimes people think there's no answer to the problem. Uh, Listen, everything's all right in my father's house. I love that little chorus. And I often sing it when I'm driving down the road. I often hum it when I'm in my office. You hear strange noises coming out of my office. It's probably me humming or singing that song. Everything is all right in my father's house. Everything may be seeming to fall apart, but God's all right. Amen. And I trust him that I have endurance I can gain understanding, then if I have understanding, I can always have hope. I don't need to live my life without hope. I don't have to live my life in despair. You say, how can you have that confidence in maturing that way? Because of the love of God that gives consolation. Now I'm going to tell you, when everything starts falling apart, you're going to have to find out real quick how much God loves you. Amen. Because that's the only thing that's going to get you through. Because of the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts, that makes us not ashamed. It enables us to go on, and the Holy Ghost is the one confirms that over and over and over and over again. So confident maturing. Notice they're secure believing the love of God, secure in our believing. In Romans chapter eight and verse thirty-eight, Paul says, "For I am persuaded that neither death." This is Romans chapter 8 and verse 38. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus said, you will not receive me, and I know you. You have not the love of God. But when we receive Christ as our Savior, we experience and enjoy the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts. And once you experience the love of God through Christ Jesus, you're secured. You notice in verse 38 and 39, of all the things... That He has declared for us that cannot separate from you, you from uh, the love of God. There's nothing. People say, well, you just don't understand you know, things I'm going through right now. No, you're needing to comprehend once again the love of God that gives peace. It doesn't matter if death comes, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if there's life. It doesn't matter if there's angels or principalities that are attacking powers whether it be human powers or demonic powers it doesn't matter whether it's the things that are present or something that's going to go on tomorrow it doesn't matter where you're at or what's going on there is absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of God I'm glad that I'm secure and confident in the hope that I have the peace of God, that when God looks at me because I received Christ as my Savior, Jesus doesn't look at me and say, I know you, that you do not have the love of God. No, he looks at me and says, I know you because you have the peace of God that passes all understanding. So the love of God in rejection, the love of God in consolation. It also has communion. communion. And I'm not talking about taking communion. I'm talking about communion together. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, in uh, verse 20, in, uh, chapter 13 and verse 14, Paul ends this book of 2 Corinthians by saying, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and here it is, and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. And so the love of God gives peace And we experience that peace being renewed every day because of the communion of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is the spirit that is the Alas parakletos, the one who is exactly like Christ who comes alongside to help in our time of need. And so the communion of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad for the Father sent the Son and the Son fulfilled the will of the Father and the Spirit of God was sent by Jesus Christ, who's exactly like Christ, to take up his residence in our bodies. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And every day, every day, I know and am assured of the fact that God is ever with me because of, of the Holy Ghost communion. Amen. And so we have the love of God, consolation. We have the love of God, rejection. Uh, Robert Murray McShea said this. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet, distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. And I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves there is a mediator between God and man. Men, it's the man, Christ Jesus. He is at the throne of God interceding for you. You realize this right now, at this very moment, as I'm mentioning this, he's interceding for you at the throne of God. Distance doesn't bother him. He created everything. He is before anything that was here. You think he has to come down and make an appointment with you to pray for you? You don't have to worry about that. Paul Chappell said this because the empty tomb, we have peace. Because of his resurrection, we have peace during even the most troubling of times because we know he is in control of all. That happens in the world. You say, yeah, you know that. Because Jesus said, no man takes my life. Oh, wait a minute. They accused him. They judged him. They nailed him to the cross. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down and I take it up again. Those soldiers didn't kill Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ laid down his life. And when he was buried and he was put in a tomb, he came out of that grave three days later because death has no hold on Christ. And so I can have the peace of God because of the love of God that's been shed abroad in my heart through faith in Christ. Warren Worsby said this, real contentment must come from within. You and I cannot change or control the world around us, but we can change and control the world within us. Now, listen, what goes on out here, I can't do anything about it. But I'm going to tell you one thing well, how I feel about it inside, I can. How I respond to it inside, I can. And everything can be falling apart out here. My body can be decaying and dying off. I can be having pains and aches and everything else. The world can be taxing us to death. And we may have to sign everything over to the government someday. I don't know what may happen. I can't change what's going on out here. But in my heart, there rings a melody. Amen. I'm going to break out in song here. You're going to get in trouble. The love of God, it's rejected. How can anybody reject the love of God? It is also consolation. Then the last thought of this. The love of God is anticipation. No, Notice a resolved commitment here. In 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we read of a resolved commitment, 2 Thessalonians, and so I get over there, and we're just kind of turning to the right so it's easy for you to find your uh, verses here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, in verse 3, says, But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and to the patient waiting for Christ. See, the love of God gives us anticipation, anticipation in regards to the return of Christ, and because of the fact that there is anticipation of the return of Christ, uh, we have a changed conduct that takes place He said, I'm confident you're going to do and you will do those things we've commanded you. Why? Because the love of God that's in your heart has built a spirit of anticipation for when Jesus Christ comes again. In Titus chapter 3, just turn over to the right a little bit. Titus chapter 3 is right after 2 Timothy. Titus chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Wow, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. I don't know why in 2019 parents think that children gain all wisdom because it's 2019 and you can make, let your children make all kinds of decisions for themselves. You need to stop allowing your children to make decisions for themselves. I'm going to do some pa- family counseling right now. Yeah, you need to stop letting your children make decisions for yourselves and be a parent and make decisions for your children. Why? Because foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And every one of us were foolish at one time when we were children, and we were foolish at one time when we were without Christ. But we trust Christ, and we have knowledge of what's going on. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, oh, there it is, After the kindness and love of God our Savior towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we had done, but according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. These things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. See, the love of God is anticipation. An anticipation that develops a resolved commitment to the Lord in reference to that we are not what we were without Christ. And because he loves me so... Now I can love him, and because I love him, it makes a difference in how I live. So resolve, commitment, change, conduct. Devoted conscience in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4 through 6. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Isn't it amazing how many times you read the verses and how many times it talks about how we're to obey God, keep his commandments, we live a different life, our conduct has been changed, our personality has been changed, everything about and, and yet, and yet we're bombarded in Christianity constantly, that you can live however you want to. That is not Christianity. I know him, he saith, I know him, and keepeth his commandments is a liar and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him notice in verse 5 it says but whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of god perfected hereby know we that we are in him he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked so devoted conscience I'm convicted in my conscience about who Christ is. Why? Because we're supposed to be like Christ. If any man be in Christ; he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Devoted conscience that we're aware of the fact that the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts so it gives us a spirit of anticipation that God ought to be doing something in my life. There ought to be some conviction going on in my life. There ought to be some changes going on, why? Because that's the evidences that I have the love of God shed abroad in my heart. But not just that, but extended compassion, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 in verse 7, "Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God." And every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God, and he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Extended compassion. God was willing to extend compassion to us. Jesus is in the front of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the Jewish people, and he is trying to reveal to them and get them to comprehend that they're looking in the face of the extended compassion of God for them. He said, my witness is true. I'm here, I'm not, and there's other witnesses to the fact of who I am. I'm not witnessing of myself. The Father in heaven witnesses to it. The works that I do witness to it. And you reject me, but yet you'll accept another one's extended compassion of God. And he would look down on this world as, upon us as sinners, and that he would send his son into this world to save us. And give us new direction and new purpose and new hope. All because of the love of God for us. I like what Billy Graham said. He said this. I think it's a little long. You might be able to see it up there. He said that The second coming of Christ will be so revolutionary that it will change every aspect of life on this planet. I think there's going to be a lot of Christians upset when Jesus comes when they find out how we're, we're, we're gonna to have to live, when we've been enjoying all that the world has to offer, well, anyway, that's another sermon. The second coming of Christ will be so revolutionary that it will change every aspect of life on this planet. Christ will reign in righteousness. Disease will be arrested. I like that. Death will be modified. War will be abolished. Nature will be changed. That'll help all this crowd about change, climate change and everything. Nature will be changed and men will live as it was originally intended he should live. The way man is living on this earth in 2019 is not the way God intended for man to live. So what did he do? He showed us what love is when he sent his only begotten son into this world. And here is the love of God standing in the face of these Pharisees and these Jews. And Jesus said, I know you. You don't have the love of God in you. Why? Because they reject the rejection of Christ. The love of God is consolation that we can have peace in a world that is in constant turmoil and flux. But God is ever stable and secure and secure and we're safe in the arms of Christ. The love of God and rejection, love of God and, and consolation, but there's the love of God anticipation. Because he loves me and what he's done for me, I'm expecting great things tomorrow, amen? I'm expecting God to do great things today. Uh, I'm believing God for great things. And I, I, I'm not giving up hope. I'm not gonna turn my back on the Lord. I'm not going to say, well, this Christian life ain't worth it. I've had people over the years say, well, it just ain't, it ain't worth living the Christian life. Well, honey, you don't know the love of God. Because if you really know the love of God, it creates an anticipation and an excitement about the coming of Jesus Christ that you'll never stop living for him. You need a good dose of love. Amen. The love of God. Jesus and I know you. Hey, you can't, you can't manipulate the mind of God. He knows whether you love him or whether you don't love him. He knows whether you have received him and accepted the love of God or whether you rejected him and rejected the love of God. He knows. Maybe this morning you may need to get some things right. You need to come to the altar this morning and say, Lord, Pastor Wagwell, I need to be saved. I need to believe on Christ. You might be a believer and you might say, well, I've just been living away from God. I just really have been living away from God. Things aren't right. I don't have the zeal. I don't have the excitement. I don't have the joy in my heart anymore. I'm not embracing the love of Christ. I need to get that right. Maybe you just need to come and talk to God for a little while up here in the altar. Because I know this, that God has already initiated the relationship with you by sending his only begotten son into this world. The love of God, how precious. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love this morning. We thank you, Lord, for grace that has extended the love of God towards us. We pray, Lord, you'd speak to us in a special way. If there's someone who needs to be saved, touch them, Holy Spirit of God, that they might come and be saved today. I pray for every believer that we'd be renewed in the reality of the compassion of God, the peace of God, the anticipation of God. Working anew and afresh every day in our life. Oh, God, fill us with your love. Blessing this invitation, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing, My Jesus, I Love Thee. And as we're singing, you come and pray as God would direct you today.